Hey, last week, if you were not with us, I hope you can go back online and listen to Anson's message. He talked about a lifestyle of worship, living a lifestyle of worship. And I'm just not just saying this, but it's one of the best messages I'd ever heard on worship, probably ever. And uh, it was just, he did a phenomenal job, and I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, today will pale in comparison. Um, so go back. You can even listen to it now if you got an earbud while I'm preaching up here. I don't care. Um, either, whatever you like to do. Um, but it was just well done uh, for us to live lifestyles of worship. We're going to see a little bit of that same theme uh, in today's passages. We're going to cruise back to the Old Testament and look at a couple stories of a, of a couple influential leaders. But I want to share this because I think it's, it's, it's who we are, and I've shared it before in services and, and in other you know, venues around here, that we believe in order to build a, a great church that we need to have a great commitment to the great commandment Matthew 22, and the Great Commission, that we want to do everything we can to have a great commitment to both of those, that, that the Great Commission should drive the passion of who we are and what we want to be about in this community to see lives change with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the good news for all of us is we weren't called to do it on our own. He didn't say, well, I'm ascending to heaven and best of luck. He told us in Acts 1.8, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, that you're going to receive, you're going to receive power power from God uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to go do some things. I'm going to send you out. You're going to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts, but it's going to happen because of my power and my strength. I will be with you. I'm going to be your protector. And I just encourage you, the word was to, to go. Uh, an author that I read a lot because uh, he talks a lot about church leadership is Aubrey Malfers. And in one of his books, he says this, he says, the most effective organizations know and understand what business they are in or what function they perform. The same holds true for the church that proclaims Jesus Christ. I would even say more so that if there's anybody that should be all about uh, the, the, you know, the, the thing they're focused on the most, Jesus, it should be the local church. We should, we should be the, peop the, the thing that people are looking to to see, man, you all are so laser focused on your, on your mission, on your vision. How can we glean from that, right? And we know that that's not always true in the local church. And we've been sharing the last few weeks the vision that, that uh, the staff of this church, the board of this church have prayed through and met about countless times. And it's this, that we're pursuing the transformation of communities by ensuring that every man, woman, and child has frequent opportunities all the time to see, hear, and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we want to transform communities. A community could be your school. A community could be your house. A community could be your street, your housing development, your doctor's office, your law office, Kroger, wherever you go. And there's a group of people all together. It's a community upon which Jesus Christ wants to see transformation wants to see life change, wants to see things take place that are, that, are, that are unbelievable. Matthew 16, 18, remember a couple weeks ago, Jesus and Peter were having a little exchange, and then Jesus declares this over Peter. And he says, I tell you, Peter, and on this rock, uh, that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it or overtake it. Peter, you're about to take back territory from the enemy. It's going to be an unstoppable movement. It's going to go on, not just for a few years, not just for a couple decades. It's going to go on until I return. And I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you to go. 
Because the gospel will penetrate some of the most craziest places. The gospel can go anywhere at any time to any heart at any moment that it wants. I want to ask you a question um, and to think about is who is the most, and you might have to rewind through life, who is the most powerful person that you have ever been in the room with? And this could be like a meeting or maybe they were speaking up front. But the most powerful person that you think back on your life that you were ever in the room with at one time and you were able to listen to them. And my second question with this is what do they do with their power and influence? Uh, as you think about them, were they using it for themselves? Or were they using it for the things of God? Uh, were they using it to build some franchise or some type of business so they could line their pockets? Or were they using their power and influence, whoever this person is, to advance the kingdom of God? Let me ask a second question. Who is the most powerful person that you've ever witnessed use all of their power and all of their influence to advance the kingdom of God? And that could be two different people. Who's somebody that you've watched? Could be a, a man, it could be a lady that they've they had resources and, and power and influence and giftings and abilities, and they, they were like the water drag at the sink. They just ringed them out, right? So that they could use them all for the glory, for the glory of God. Who is that person? You know, we think about our lives, we think powerful people like are out there, and I'm not one of them, right? That's how we think about our lives often. But the truth is, every single person in this room has been given power. God's uniquely equipped you. He's uniquely gifted you. He's uniquely made you, and He's given you power and influence in this community that most of us in this room would never have power and influence, only you, because you're the one He's chosen to be there. If you're a parent in the room, uh, you've got power over your kids, right? Some days. Other days you're like, I don't even know who these people are that are living in my house. If you're a teacher, you've got power over your students at times, right? If you're a coach, you've got power over your, your athletes. If you, if you vote, you've got the power of choice, right? If you've got a lot of money, uh, you've got a word that we hear a lot. You've got purchasing power. You've got some other choices for yourself. But every single one of us have power in this room. And power is one of those things that usually is given to us for a season. Uh, sometimes it gets stripped away. Uh, but it's usually given to us for a season and always for a certain purpose. If you were to be at your job and your boss looks at you and says, I'm going to give you power to go out in this company's name and sell stuff, they just gave you power, right? Uh, if you were given power to come into a company and maybe they said, hey, I, I wanna, we want you to create some change. We want you to, to make a difference in this community and within this, within this company. You have been given power. And what's another thing that we've learned about power? Uh, that if you go into somewhere and you don't do what they've asked you to do, power can be stripped away. can be taken right back. Power is a gift. Usually given by people with more power and it just lasts for a season. But I want you to think about the power and influence that you have right now. How are you, how are you using it and leveraging it for the kingdom of God? in your community, in your family, at your job. You have the, the, the amount of influence that just this room has in this community at workplaces all over Dayton and greater Dayton, even Cincinnati, is unbelievable, the stories that I hear. How are you using your power? Maybe a better question is, what is God calling you to do, change, fix, make different, so that you can start using your gifts, your resources, your power, 
your influence for the kingdom of God. I want to look at two guys in the Old Testament. Uh, they had a lot of power, uh, very influential, and I want to look at their lives just for a little bit. And you can go back and read them at a greater level later. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Proverbs 31. It's going to be the first one. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, times people stop. We always think of Proverbs 31 as, as talking about the woman and how, how, how they should be, that kind of thing. Um, but Proverbs 31, 1 through 9 is powerful. And it talks about a guy named King Lamuel. Anybody looking for a name, pregnant, ready for a baby? That's a male or female. King Lamuel uh, is his name. And in this particular passage, uh, King Lamuel is, is thinking back to what his mom used to tell him. Uh, he begins to share with us his diary, if you will, of all the sayings that mom used to, to share with him. And he's a powerful guy. We don't know a ton about King Lamuel. There's not a lot about him in Scripture. But what we do know is he was powerful because he was a king. He was born into, born into royalty. But he shares these sayings that mom shared with him. And many of you, uh, you're about to do something dumb. Uh, you have the echo of your mom in your ear saying, I wouldn't do that, right? And you can think of some of the sayings that your mom would share to you over the years. And maybe you remember them, you remember them often. Uh, I remember hearing, maybe you've heard this, if you don't have anything nice to say, what's the end of that? Don't say anything at all, right? Anybody hear that one a, quite a few times? Uh, what about whatever that is, do not bring it into my house. Anybody ever heard that growing up? Uh, you're going to eat everything on your plate. Anybody, your parents say, you're going you're gonna to be seated all night in that chair and you're going to eat it all, right? Uh, we've heard things like that. Uh, what in the world is that smell? right? Maybe you've heard that from your, from your mom. Um, I, I think it's time for you to take a shower. It's been a few days, a week, or whatever. You can think of all the sayings, ridiculous, good, that your mom shared with you. And Lamuel, King Lamuel, shares these things that his mom shared with him. And he says, Lamuel, don't forget the power that you've been given. It, it's been given as a gift from God. And let me remind you as well, it belongs to God. So she says things like, don't take shortcuts in life. Use your power to speak up for those that can't speak for themselves. King Lamuel, live a life of conviction. Live a life of, of values. I want you to be an honest person, King Lamuel. And she begins to share these words with her son, reminding him, you know what, King Lamuel, every time you walk into a room, you walk into a meeting, you walk into an assembly, you're gathered with anybody, you're going to always be the most powerful man in the room. You've got power and influence. And I want you to use that power and influence for the kingdom of God. It's a gift from God. And He gave it to you to steward. Uh, King Lamel, you didn't choose to be born into royalty, but you were. You didn't get to choose the gifts that, that God has given you. You didn't get to choose the way you look. You didn't get to choose your temperament and all the ways that you are that make you you. And neither did anyone else. So as you look around in your little kingdom and you see people that are poor or impoverished or they're just living lives that are, that are not quite where your life is, speak up for them. Use your power for them. Use your influence for them. And she reminds her son, man, as you look around, remember, remember, remember where your authority comes from. Let me, let me tell you how the kingdom of God works uh, according to God's word. That when we are given power by God, uh, whether it be a, a king, uh, whether it be a president, whether it be a CEO or a leader of a, a company, 
whether it be a teacher or a coach or a parent or a, or a husband or a wife, the, the power that the kingdom of God gives is a power to serve. It's a power to serve. Uh, at Taylor University, I mentioned a few weeks ago that you get a towel when you graduate. We have a recent grad right over here. You didn't know I was going to mention that. Good job. Congrats. Uh, you get a towel that, they, that, to, that is a reminder to throw the towel over your shoulder. It's where Jesus is washing, washing the disciples' feet. And, and you need to go out and serve this community, serve this world. That we get power and influence to serve. And then listen to mom's words to, in Proverbs 31, 1 through 3 to her son. The sayings of King Lamuel. Here's my diary, an uninspired utterance his mother taught him. She says, listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Anybody ever had to tell their kids, listen, like three times in a row? It's biblical. It's right here. Mom did it in Proverbs 31. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. Pretty good advice from mom starting out. Don't chase women. Don't chase women, son. I've watched it destroy kings. I've watched it destroy those that, that, that feel like they're, they're leaders and they're influential and they're full of power. And then they, they, they jump in and make one poor choice. And, and son, you're going to have more access to more things and more people than anyone else. Don't leverage that for yourself. Don't indulge in the flesh. But use your power and influence for others, do not chase women. When you do that and you fall, not only will your leadership be diluted and diminished, it will cause great destruction to you for many, many years to come. Good advice from mom. Don't chase women. And then she, he goes on in verse 4 through 7, and she pretty much lets her son know, hey, don't get caught up in drinking and partying. And here's what she says. It's not for kings, Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. As soon as you allow yourself to go over the line in that area, Lemuel, uh, your judgment's going to be clouded. You're not going to see things clearly. You're going to make poor choices. And let me remind you that God has given you an incredible responsibility. He's given you something to steward. He's given you leadership over tons and tons of people. Every time people think of you or walk in the room, they look up to you to be their man, to be their leader. Don't give in to the flesh. Don't give in to the thing that's, that's the urgent, right? And he says you're going to have opportunity to do whatever you want. That doesn't mean that whatever you want is always the right thing. Steward what God has given you in a great way. Push aside the things of the flesh. Remember that you've been given something greater from God. Oh, and let me remind Lamuel, it belongs to him as well. So what greater opportunity for you to make God's light shine than to steward this well? And then she moves on. She says, here's the, you better not do this. And then she says, but this is what a person of conviction lives like. And she shares some things that really help ground King Lamuel and his leadership. And here's what she says in verse uh, 8 and 9, Proverbs. Uh, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Uh, use your power for the rights of all those who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor. Use all of your power, all of your influence. Use it as a great steward would. Use it responsibility, responsibly to speak up for others. Speak up for those that can't speak up for themselves. Judge justly. 
Use your power for other people. Why would she say this? Because she's watched king after king, leader after leader, and we see it today in our own world, leaders use their power to to hold other people down or to line their pockets or to make their life just a little bit better. And King King Lamuel's mom says, instead of that, and turn your back to that, use your power actually for the rights of others and not just yours. Use your power and influence to defend the poor, to defend those that that are in a tough spot. King Lamuel, there's people that their lives, death is imminent for them if you don't step up and do something. Step up and speak up for them. People are going to make fun of you at times, believe me. Uh, People are going to point to you and say, what is he doing? Even caring about those people. They put themselves in that spot. They chose to walk that path and walk that journey. And people are going to rip you left and right. King Lamuel, man, keep your eyes fixed on what God has given you, his power and his influence, because the people around you don't have power and they don't have influence and they need you to use yours on their behalf. What a note from mom to son. As you go out and lead, as you go out and use your power and influence, I'd ask all the moms, maybe rip that piece out of your Bible and hand it to your son when you get home so they can study verses 1 through 9 as they grow up. But it's just powerful advice. And he's saying, you're going to have a lot of power. You're going to have a lot of influence. But one wrong choice, and it's, I can't snap my fingers. Let me try that again. And you're gone in a second. I want to share the next one in Isaiah 58. Uh, we were in Isaiah 58 in December. December. January. Anybody remember back to January? You slept, I don't know how many times since January. And you forgot that we talked about Isaiah 58 uh, when we were talking about fasting. Because it's truly a, a, a chapter about fasting. And uh, Isaiah uh, was another one of those guys that was influential. He was powerful. Uh, he was uh, well-to-do. He came from an affluent family. He was a guy that rubbed shoulders with a lot of leaders. Uh, we know through Scripture he was an advisor as well to leaders. But most importantly, he was a prophet. And I would always, I kind of sum up a prophet as one of, those, one of those guys that God calls out to be a voice, to be a mouthpiece for the will of God, for a specific time and place, to the people of God. And he knew that that God was calling him to to speak up during this moment in Isaiah uh, 58. Uh, This was a time in the 8th century. Uh, He was in a country that was uh, doing everything they could to not be on fire for God. They were going through the motions spiritually. And he knew it. And Judah was in a place where they were looking around other countries and they were being taken over by other countries around them. Kings and leaders were falling. It was, there was a lot of stuff going on. And this power that Judah had, that was given by God for them to steward, for them to use, to influence uh, for the kingdom of God, uh, they noticed it maybe diminishing from them. And they were doing everything they could to hold on to this power that, that God had, had given them. And we know what that's like, right? I mean, when you get put in a place of power, Uh, or leadership, or your job, and you're like looking over your shoulder, and there's like three more people just as good, or way better than you at that job, and you're thinking, oh man, it could be gone any second. Or athletes in the room, uh, you know what it's like to be the starter, and you're thinking one bad game, uh, one bad hitting streak, and I'm on the pine because I got three guys behind me that are working so hard, getting stronger, getting faster. We know it's natural for us to go there, and begin to protect our power and influence, and even our, our position at times. Well, Judah found themselves in this spot, and they were at a spot where they wanted to do everything they could to to, to hold on to their power, 
And one of the scary things for Judah during this time was they, they, they weren't quite sure the God that got them to where they were now was the God that could continue to get them down the road. So their trust was waning. Their trust was just was going out the window. And they found themselves going through the motions spiritually, and Isaiah knew it. And as he looked at this community uh, of believers and he watched their trust waning, he saw some of the same signs and tendencies that we see in 2019 when somebody's trust in God begins to just kind of drift away. Uh, they became self-destructive. They became self-reliant. They became self-absorbed. It was all about me and mine. They didn't care about the people that were around them. And man, those are, those are like warning signs if you see those in your own life as well. And almost like the dash on your car when every warning light beeping and you're like, I'm not, I, I can go another 200 miles, right? We can make this happen. Uh, the warning lights for their spiritual condition were just blinking left and right. And Isaiah knew this was the time. This is the time for me to speak up. And at the beginning of Isaiah 58, uh, he begins to share with them. And he says, hey, you guys say that you're fasting for God. You're saying that all this stuff that you just keep doing is is you're doing it unto God to, to worship Him. But people of Judah, you are you're missing it. It's just a show on the outside. There's no, there's no inner transformation that's taking place. You're hearing it, but you're not changing. It'd be like Isaiah coming to church here for the next six months or year, just listening to sermon after sermon, getting in groups and serving all over the place and doing everything he could to be a good spiritual person. And he walks out the door and, and it changes nothing in his life. But he's hearing it. And nothing changes. And this is what's going on in Judah. And Anson alluded to it last week that we kind of, we've got this thing mixed up with our, the sacred and the secular. That everything in this room that takes place is sacred. And I'm going to worship God. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to sing out loud. But as soon as I walk through the threshold of that door, it's my life. And God, I'll see you next Sunday, 10.30, 10.35. I'm usually late, somewhere around there, right? And we, we mix these two things up. And Isaiah says, if you want to be in tune with God, uh, it's going to take some obedience on your part, some trust. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 58, 6-7. He calls them out uh, for fasting with wrong motive. He says, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Uh, let me remind you what you're actually called to do. I know you're going through the motions. On the outside, it looks like you're worshiping well. But here's what you're called to do, to loose the chains, to break free the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the, opp the oppressed free and break every yoke. Listen to the same themes that are in uh, Proverbs 31. Is it not uh, to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? And when you see the naked, clothe them and, and not turn away uh, from your own flesh and blood. He says, if you want to worship God the right way, you got to change your motives. And you got to be worshiping Him with purity. Uh, you got to be about the things of God. You got to begin to worship and care about the desires of God and, and not just yours all the time. People of Judah, if you want to continue to be a, a, a nation and a people that has power and influence, you need to back up the train about a few more notches. And you need to go back to just being obedient to your father, to your father first. And he says, all of you got all your, your uh, ambitions, you got all these dreams and goals, you got all these desires. Let me remind you, as Isaiah says, the desires of our God. This is what he's about. 
This is his agenda to help remove the chains of injustice, to set the oppressed free, feed the hungry, provide for the poor with shelter, clothe the naked, stand up for people that can't stand up for themselves. And Isaiah, as the mouthpiece of God to them, says, when you get this right, let me let, me let you know what's going to take place after that. And it's incredible. And he says this in Isaiah 58, 8 and 9. If you will get your motives right, if you will worship God uh, with a real heart and a true heart and a pure heart, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Aren't you thankful that we serve a God that is our protector? It says, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Isaiah is letting this group of people know you're doing everything you can to keep your little bit of power and a little bit of influence all while forsaking the one that actually gave you the power and the influence. You're missing it. You're missing it. I don't know about you, but I found myself at times I'll, I'll jump out to step three, four, five, and, and I hadn't even talked to God about it. And so often he wants us to back up to step one uh, and he wants us to open our hands and he wants us to hand it to him. And then he wants us to be obedient in step one, step two, step three, step four. Judah was not at this place. They were taking things into their own hands. They were saying, I'm not sure if this God can be trusted. Let me remind us today that the only way that we have power, the only way we have influence, the only way we'll have strength and endurance to carry out this great vision of transforming communities and having every man, woman, and child frequent opportunities to see, hear, and respond to the gospel, the only way that's going to take place is because the power and the strength and the influence and the gifts that our God gives us. Without that, church, we're sunk. Uh, we are bankrupt. We can't carry out the vision. And we need Him so badly. And this people that Judah was speaking to is in the exact same place. This great gift of influence and power. So my question to you, what are you using? Your power and your influence. No matter how big or how small you may think it is, what are you using it for to advance the kingdom of God? Uh, I want to share with you this last illustration of this animal up on the screen. You can pop it up there if you want. It's almost like a super deer, if you will. This thing's crazy. It's called the African Impala. Anybody guess what country it resides in? Africa. First service got that answer too. Good job. But the Africa Impala, uh, it can do a lot of things. It can jump 10 feet in the air. Pretty big deal. Some of you can't get like an inch off the ground. This thing can jump two, 10 feet in the air, dunk a ball if it wanted to, if it could grip it. It can jump out 30 feet. That's pretty good. Um, and it can run uh, if you were to go 50 mile an hour on 48, it would just be running right beside you looking in your window at you because it can run 50, 50 miles per hour. But although this animal, this African impala, can jump 10 feet in the air, which is crazy, can jump out 30 feet, can run 50 miles per hour, it can be held in confinement behind a four-foot fence in a zoo. And you would ask, how in the world can something that can jump 10 feet, jump out 30 feet, and run 50 miles per hour ever be confined by a four-foot fence in a zoo? And the African impala, uh, it, it says it will never jump over something 
unless it knows exactly where its feet are going to land. So it's confined. It can't see over the four-foot fence, and it doesn't know where its feet are going to land. And I wonder in this room today, with the power and influence that's just in this room, let alone last hour and all those that couldn't come today, I wonder the untapped potential that's in this room to use your power and influence for the gospel. Maybe you've just been standing back, you haven't been willing to jump all in yet or take the risk for the gospel or truly use your power and influence for the gospel because you're not quite sure where your feet are going to land. And let me ask you this question as well. If you knew where your feet were going to land, it wouldn't be faith, would it? In the last four weeks, we've been talking about living lives of courageous, courageous faith. Hebrews 11.1 1, a great faith chapter in the Bible says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I want us to be a church that lives courageous faith. He goes on in Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. My prayer for you all and for me is that we would be able to live real, authentic, bold, risk-takers for the gospel. That we would take all of our power and influence, gifts, resources. God has blessed us so much. And we, we'd use it to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ that we would do everything we can to pursue the transformation of communities, right? So that every man, woman, and child can see how they're going to see it in your lifestyle. Hear how they're going to hear about the gospel. You're going to tell them. You're going to show them in your actions. And where they have multiple opportunities to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's why we were put on this planet to be his ambassadors. He's making his appeal to the world through, through you and through me. That's going to take some courageous faith to make that happen. Let me pray. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for your, for your word. Thank you for Jesus. God, for those in the room that they just felt for some time, they're like the African impala stuck inside the fence. And if they would just jump over this four-foot fence, you would unleash your Holy Spirit because you're calling them to something and they've just been fearful, God, I pray that they would test it. I pray that they would seek counsel and that they would jump all in because you want to transform communities with your gospel and you're choosing us to do it. And we take that responsibility greatly. And we want to be stewards. So God, let us use our power and influence for the kingdom of God. And we pray this all in your name.